Hey guys, Montel here. Welcome back to this another inspiring edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. And today we have a really, really, really great guest with us today. Um, today we're going to be diving into the Delaware cannabis scene to uncover the strides and struggles of cannabis reform within the state. Joining us is a remarkably dedicated cannabis reform advocate who has tirelessly worked with Normals Women's Alliance and has been at the vanguard of cannabis policy reform in numerous states. Let's get straight into the heart of this important conversation. Zoe Patchell, welcome to Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thank you so much for having me on. This is such an honor. I'm really grateful for this opportunity and invite. No, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Look, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, where you grew up, what you're doing. Just give me the, the highs of Zoe Patchell. Yeah, so um, I'm originally from the Los Angeles area in California, but I grew up outside Philadelphia. Um, and um, I'm a community organizer. I'm a criminal justice reform activist. Um, I've been a cannabis consumer for 29 years. Um, I'm a cannabis tourist and cannabis connoisseur uh, for the last 16 years. Um, and I'm the executive director and co-founder of Delaware Cannabis Advocacy Network. Um, and we're an all-volunteer organization that's been focused on repealing the civil and criminal penalties for cannabis, implementing criminal justice reforms for those that have been adversely impacted by prohibition, and um, to create a fair, equitable, competitive, and consumer-friendly market here in the state of Delaware. Um, what, what, what prompted, what started your activism, and then uh, how did your journey begin? Well, um, it's somewhat of a long story. Uh, my journey to advocacy just seems to be my path in life. Um, as many of my defining moments in life have been centered toward cannabis in one way or another, starting with um, my mother, who was diagnosed with a brain tumor in 1989 um, after being misdiagnosed by another doctor. Um, and I was eight years old um, when she was diagnosed with an inoperable um, glioblastoma um, that caused terrible seizures. Um, and she was given roughly six months to a year uh, to live and she began radiation treatment. And I just remember at eight years old, after just a few weeks of her being diagnosed, there was a very strange conversation that was very much out of the norm for things that my mother talked about. And she sat me down and she told me about how marijuana was a, a medicine for people um, and how it helps people that are suffering from seizures and um, you know different types of ailments and things like that but specifically centering around the seizures um, and I just remember being so confused because I mean you know this is the height of the Nancy Reagan just say no era and you know that's what you know my generation was really inundated on. And it was just such a strange conversation. Like I said, that was so out of the norm for my mother. It was just something that really stayed with me. And I, I didn't ask a lot of questions. I don't even know if I would know the right questions to ask at that point. Um, but it was something that just really kind of stuck with me for a long time. Um, and then eventually her cancer did go into remission. Um, and she ended up living five years after um, the initial diagnosis. But unfortunately, 
the cancer came back. Um, and when it returned, she began chemo treatment um, and then just simply began withering away. I just remember her having trouble eating. Um, I remember, you know, her getting sick and, you know, having vomiting issues like in the middle of the night and things like that. And then eventually, um, you know, she succumbed to the cancer. Uh, but, you know, the research shows that there's, uh, you know, this is something that's been helping with uh, cancer, with uh, different symptoms of treatment, as well as the, the sickness itself. And, um, you know, there's research going back to 1970s. And I've heard you talk about uh Dr. Mishulam before, um, you know, his research shows that this helps with cancer. It, there's definitely some type of interaction with tumors um, and cannabis. Um, and specifically, there's a study going back to 1974 that says THC specifically helps with glioblastomas. Um, so I started what I called the Just Say No library, um, where I compiled um, this research, you know, published by PubMed.gov, um, National Cancer Institute, and all of these research articles to try to educate people about this plant, um, you know, because there's been just so much misinformation for so long. And even if you don't believe that it helps with cancer or, um, you know, some of the other um, ailments that come along with that, it would help somebody um, you know, maintain body weight to be able to, you know, to fight the cancer. Um, so that's been a huge element for my advocacy, but then also fast forwarding, um, in, into my teen years, years after my mother died, I was suffering with things like anxiety, depression, um, you know, insomnia and a lot of other, uh, things that cannabis has helped with. Um, and I was initially, um, when I was initially diagnosed with anxiety and depression, you know, it's just the same thing, uh, that most people experience with doctors giving them, you know, pharmaceuticals to maintain these symptoms. And I just felt like I was a zombie. I couldn't function. Um, so cannabis has replaced all of those medications for me. Um, and it allows me to function It allows me to maintain um, my symptoms with anxiety and has, you know, completely gotten rid of insomnia for me. I don't even suffer with that anymore. Um, so it's so important for me to educate people about the truth about this plant, um, considering there's so much misinformation about it. And then, of course, um, on top of me consuming cannabis um, for anxiety, depression, things like that, I ended up running into some trouble um, at 17 and I had a cannabis offense conviction. Um, so the combination of all that, um, plus then when I got into college, you know, the education behind the endocannabinoid system and why this is an effective treatment for anxiety, depression, and the plethora of other ailments that this helps with. Um, so it's really important for me to try to educate people. Um, so, you know, they, learn what's really going on with this plant and not listen to the decades of misinformation that that's out there. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story about your mom. And we're sorry, but our prayers go out to you and your family. Uh, I know it's a while back, but still, 
Um, you know, thank you so much for sharing. And I think, you know, make sure that our viewers understand Zoli is not saying that in any way, shape or form, the cannabis was curing her mother, but it was helping her deal with her symptoms. And there is research out there that does show some efficaciousness involving cannabis and other cannabinoids, not just THC, but other cannabinoids when it comes to battling cancer. Um, I think, you know, the recent uh, um, acknowledgement by the FDA and uh, Health and Human Services indicating that they now have found that there are valid medical uses for cannabis. That's the reason why they wrote letters off to the DEA asking them to reschedule recently. And, you know, I think hopefully within the next, you know, year or so, the DEA may respond to that and do what's right and change the schedule of cannabis, at least do that as a minimum uh, to allow for its use. Now, you um, have been working diligently in Delaware to try to help, you know, move legislation forward and help uh, Delaware uh, launch a, a robust medical cannabis program. Why don't you give us a snapshot of what's going on in Delaware and where does it stand right now? Yes. So um, Delaware has made some significant progress over the last 12 years. Um, Delaware actually legalized medicinal cannabis in 2011, but there were a number of issues with implementation. Um, we had uh, the governor at the time, Governor Markell, did not support um, cannabis legalization or medicinal cannabis um, and ended up unilaterally stalling that program, which caused a host of problems. Um, there were patients without safe access for a significant period of time. Um, finally, that program did uh, start to get implemented in a very slow manner. Um, and in between all that, we had, you know, a number of legislative success, including decriminalization, um, as well as uh, some amendments to the Medical Cannabis Act of 2011. Um, and the entire time, we were also working on adult use legalization along with expungements for those that have been um, impacted by prohibition. Um, and that effort took 10 long years, um, including statewide mobilization, um, as well as our uh, coalition. And um, a lot of work went into that. Literally thousands of Delawareans across the state. I had the opportunity um, to work with amazing organizations like National Normal, um, members of Drug Policy Alliance, uh, Marijuana Policy Project, um, and we built a coalition of over 20 local organizations here in the state of Delaware um, to help um, usher in that reform. And um, it's being called by some of our national allies as one of the hardest fights for legalization up until this point, um, where we didn't have voter initiative. Um, so all the laws here in Delaware have to pass through the legislature. Um, and with cannabis legalization, um, Delaware state constitution required that that bill uh, have a supermajority vote threshold on top of going through the legislature. And we simply did not have a supportive uh, governor and House leadership wasn't supportive either. Um, and we had a number of state agencies that fought that measure for a long period of time, um, despite the fact that we had significant public support for legalization. Um, so finally, uh, after, like I said, 10 long years, um, we finally passed a cannabis legalization bill 
Um, and so that, that, that cannabis legalization bill, does that, is that a medical legalization or is that a adult uses? Yeah, so the medical bill passed in 2011. The adult use bill passed um, in April of last year. So we don't even have a full year of adult use legalization here in the state of Delaware. Um, we were the 22nd state to legalize. Um, and that bill went into effect uh, in April of last year. Wow. And so currently, is there a a uh, adult? Well, are there both are there two systems going on or one? What's going on? Right now, there's only one system. There's only the medical cannabis program um, in terms of safe access for cannabis. Um, they're working on implementation right now. Um, I've actually been appointed to the Adult Use Cannabis Oversight Committee. Um, so they're in the middle of rule writing uh, and promulgating regulations at this moment. We've been heavily involved in that process, um, you know, trying to advocate for a fair, equitable, uh, competitive and consumer friendly market here in the state of Delaware. Um, but right now, the only shops that are open are uh, open to medical patients. Um, however, there's actually a bill that's pending in the legislature right now. It just passed the House um, a week and a half ago and is headed to the Senate that expands Delaware's medical cannabis program. Um, it would eliminate the qualifying conditions. Um, right now, there's only uh, about 10 qualifying conditions that make a patient eligible for the medical cannabis program. Um, so this would significantly expand the um, 12 year old medical cannabis program here in the state of Delaware. Um, and it does a number of other things as well as uh, allowing out of state patient reciprocity, which was originally part of the 2011 Medical Marijuana Act, but then was subsequently taken out through other legislation um, and an amendment in 2016. So we're really looking forward to that bill passing and improving the program for patients um, while helping to increase the patient base here in the state of Delaware. But I'm still a little confused, but you still, you have an existing medical program and now you have a adult use program also, but that's not been implemented yet. Is that what you're saying? Yes. So uh, the medical program uh, has been up and running uh, essentially since 2015. Um, the adult use legalization bill just passed April 2023, and we're in the middle of promulgating the rules and regulations. Um, and one of the big things, and it, this is interesting because I don't think a lot of people realize, um, is the adult use legalization bill um, creates a tax on the purchase of cannabis, whereas the medical program doesn't tax the patients, obviously, for the medicine. Um, the conundrum and why it's taking so long for Delaware to implement adult use legalization is because Delaware doesn't have um, a sales tax. So what they've implemented or what they're trying to implement under the adult use legalization uh, law would be the first of its kind here in the state of Delaware. Um, there's excise taxes on alcohol, tobacco, and things like gas, but this is the first um, point of sale um, tax on the purchase. So that's one of the things that the state's working on right now is to get that whole system up and running. And is that just because of confusion or, you know, the legislature is trying to slip a, a, a funny one in there? I mean, what is, I don't understand why, um, again, if it was voted into law, 
that you're supposed to have an adult use mandate, then why can't they just start issuing licenses for adult use? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. Um, I think the biggest thing is, like I said, um, that there's no system in the state of Delaware to collect any type of, of sales tax at the moment. Um, so the Department of Finance here in the state of Delaware is absolutely insisting that it's going to take um, until uh, fall of this year to create the system that would collect the taxes on the, the point of sale for adult use purchases. Um, and, you know, so that's one of the things that we've really been pushing back on. Um, obviously, we did not have a supportive governor and the Department of Finance, um, you know, is under the marching orders of the governor. Um, so it's one of the things that we've been asking a lot of questions. Why does it take so long here in the state of Delaware when other states have done this in significantly less time? And um, the answer that we're getting is that it's going to take at least till fall of 2024 to create the tax system in order to collect the taxes. So yeah, no, clearly there must be some organization or group that's fighting against that tax system even being created. I mean, did the governor make a mandate? You didn't. You, when it, when it was passed into law that you would have an adult use market, did that whatever that referendum did that include? taxes or sales yes. tax? it did yeah so well that that's what i was saying earlier about um delaware doesn't have voter referendum um okay. so the, the the law had to pass through the legislature um and there was a number of things that had to be included in that bill um we we basically for 10 years fought for this bill to pass and there was a, a number of concessions that were made and things like that um, and one, of those concessions, one of those concessions being made was to allow for taxes. Well, yeah, I think Delaware followed most of the other states. Um, Delaware's tax um, on the purchase is actually the lowest tax in the entire country next to Maryland, um, which I think has like a 10 or 13 percent tax. And Oregon just recently dropped their tax. I think it's like 10 percent. Um, Delaware's is set at 15 percent. Obviously, we would want that to be lower or non-existent, but um, I, I don't think our legislature was going to pass a, a piece of legislation that didn't include a tax for legalization. In fact, um, a lot of the members that were hesitant towards legalization, um, that was basically the only reason they've signed on to this. So it's, it's all about greed, typically, you know, um, and we've seen a lot of that greed happen here in the state of Delaware. There's been a number of things that are happening, including with um, existing medical dispensaries fighting against adult use legalization, including just ending the civil and criminal penalties. Um, so it, it's definitely been... Wait, wait, why would the medical facilities be fighting against that? I don't understand. Uh, well, one of the concessions that was made over the years um, is that they wouldn't get what's called first mover privileges. Um, and after that were, that was taken out where they wouldn't be able to sell to adult use consumers um, before the rest of the market opens, before anybody else got licensed, then they turned around and started fighting against um, adult use legalization here in the state of Delaware, including coming out and uh, publicly opposing the measure during committee hearings. Um, in fact, I heard the same thing just happened in Pennsylvania just two days ago. Um, so 
it's, it sounds like Delaware is not unique in that. Um, we're now uh, medical dispensaries are going on the record and saying, keep arresting people for simple possession until you get this market up and running. Um, and, you know, they point to New York as a horror story, um, even though, you you know, what's happening in New York is pretty unique. Uh, it's certainly not happening in Delaware. It didn't happen in Colorado, who waited um, for everyone to be licensed at the same time. And that's a really important aspect for us. We want this market to be fair. We want it to be equitable. We want it to be competitive. And we want it to be consumer friendly. Um, you know, there's research coming out now that shows that, you know, some states that didn't do it in those ways um, aren't, you know, um, seeing all of the, the benefits of legalization where the illicit market continues because it was created in a way that doesn't check those boxes. Um, so that's one of the things that we've been um, adamantly advocating for here in the state of Delaware. And what's the name of your group? Uh, you want to put up a website or something or let me know the website so that we can have people in Delaware know where to reach out to to give you some help? Yeah. So we're Delaware Cannabis Advocacy Network at DelawareCannabis.org. And we're also on social media um, and uh, very active in our community. We have our monthly meeting the second Tuesday of every month. So we encourage everyone to join us. And of course, you must be looking for volunteers and people who are willing to to help you or get involved to help move some of this forward. Share some of the strategies that for our listeners who might want to engage in uh, helping, you know, convince policymakers to uh, do the right thing on this topic. Yeah, so Delaware Pan focuses predominantly on direct action, citizen lobbying. Um, and outreach initiatives. Um, we've organized over 550 events to promote public awareness and cannabis policy reform in the first state. Um, we do everything from statewide mobilization. We're not the biggest state, but it's still a pretty big state, but we managed to get um, from the north end to the south end and try to cover um, basically every corner. Um, we try to find leaders in specific areas um, and, you know, train them to um, basically promote this um, as a leader in their area. Um, and we do everything from citizen lobbying to um, public awareness campaigns. We do town halls, information sessions, um, and um, trainings to teach people how to be civically engaged. Well, you know, education is a, is a critical role in shaping public public opinion. How are you and your organization contributing to educating the consumer about the fact that, you know, the product should be made available to adults who are responsible? Yeah. So we've, um, we've hosted uh, town halls, both in person and virtual town halls. Um, we have public education awareness campaigns um, like the Just Say No K-N-O-W library where we try to educate people um, about this plant, about the safety and the efficacy, um, you know, through uh, peer-reviewed research articles and, and information. Um, and um, we've hosted everything from um, serious public forums um, to um, just 
information sessions where we teach people about this plant. So um, there's a lot of uh, activity on our end. You could say we put the grass in grassroots. Oh, there you go. Well, now, you know, I'm sure you've had some victories in the last couple of months. Where you want to share some of those? Yeah. So um, the biggest thing being adult use legalization, um, like I said, we fought for 10 years um, for that bill to, to pass because we don't have voter initiative. Um, it was a very difficult fight. Um, however, like I said, we've had, you know, literally thousands of Delawareans contribute to our efforts. Um, and we certainly couldn't have done it without um, the champion sponsors, Representative Ed Ozinski and Senator Trey Party, um, who continued to, you know, put their name out there um, when, quite frankly, a lot of people didn't want to talk about cannabis policy reform in the state of Delaware. Um, like I mentioned, it wasn't as easy as just, you know, going to the, the ballot and checking a box or signing a petition. Um, this was a hard fought campaign where we had to teach people to get civically involved and interact with their lawmakers and become citizen lobbyists. Um, so cannabis legalization, certainly the biggest um, uh, policy reform that we've accomplished um, as of recently. Uh, like I said, we've also passed a, a medical cannabis amendment to the 2011 Medical Marijuana Act. Um, through the House, we're looking for that bill uh, to go through the Senate um, here soon. And we're working on other things like expanding expungement, um, just generally expanding consumer rights, including home cultivation, depenalizing public consumption, um, and creating um, public consumption establishments in the state of Delaware. And so what are, you, what are you looking for over the next couple of months? You were talking about the fact that they've got to finally um, get the rules correct about taxation. But what other things are you working on right now on the horizon that you need to have some people come in and help you with? I think home cultivation certainly um, is one of the biggest things, along with expanding expungements. Um, so those are the two things that we're, we're uh, focusing the most on. Um, but the rule writing and the regulations certainly is a process that, you know, we need to be heavily involved in. So um, we've been working on uh, making recommendations to make sure that the new market that is implemented um, is a fair, uh, competitive and consumer friendly market, um, as well as other consumer rights like, um, you know, increasing the possession limits. Right now, it's still a misdemeanor arrest. Um, to even have, uh, you know, an ounce and a gram. So anything over an ounce is still a misdemeanor arrest. There's a number of things that we need to work on um, to continue to um, promote cannabis policy reform here in the state of Delaware. Um, but those are the three big ones. And, and I, I mean, from a public standpoint, you were saying that, you know, overwhelmingly, it seems like you have public support. Have you done polls in the state and published that information so that the legislators know that their, you know, uh, uh, constituents are, or, you know, their, their, you know, the potential voters are, you know, paying very close attention to this. Absolutely. Um, that was something that, um, luckily there was the university of Delaware that did public polling early on and it just showed a consistent, 
um, you know, strong public support for cannabis legalization. Um, and we also were fortunate enough to work with Marijuana Policy Project, who funded um, some public polling, uh, especially on um, a district level for some of the lawmakers that we were having problems with signing on to this piece of legislation. Um, so, I mean, all of it shows that, you know, the significant amount of support for cannabis legalization. And there's actually a civic poll um, on civic.com that actually shows that legalization uh, support has gone up here in the state of Delaware post legalization. Um, so we're hoping to use, you know, some of those numbers to promote this further reform efforts. And, you know, just so the, I, I know you, you've been focused in very closely to what's going on in Delaware, but, you know, uh, put your crystal ball on. And from a national perspective, let's say that, um, you know, we just saw what President Biden did yesterday in um, literally, I think, either exonerating, you know, or, or expungement for anyone who has had a federal cannabis arrest for possession, not necessarily for possible distribution, but at least he's moved in that direction. Do you think where, do you think the Fed's rulings will have impact on Delaware on what you're trying to accomplish there? Absolutely. I mean, I think the federal state conflict is one of the biggest impediments to further cannabis policy reform, not just here in the state of Delaware, but across the country. Um, I know that here in the state of Delaware, um, our lawmakers used federal uh, prohibition as a reason to not support cannabis legalization. Um, and wanted Congress to act first. And I think you and I both know that that's just simply not going to happen. Um, you know, what happened with alcohol prohibition was, um, you know, about half of the states had, you know, repealed the Balstead Act when alcohol prohibition was repealed and the 21st Amendment was uh, passed on a federal level. And I think that's the same thing that's going to happen on a federal level here, there's obviously been some great progress with, um, you know, what uh, President Biden is pushing for. And there's been some uh, small progress made, you know, with some of the narrative surrounding cannabis on a national and federal level. But I think that what we're really going to see is, you know, these victories on a state level, which will help, you know, usher in um, you know, the end. Of are, well, yeah, right now we are at what is it, 38 states in the District of Columbia. So we're well beyond half the states that have passed some sort of cannabis law. And the Fed still seems to be dragging its feet, even with things like just happened yesterday. I mean, there still seems to be some foot dragging going on. What do you think? When do you think there may be a change at the federal level? Or do you think there will be one? I, well, for us, we're calling for descheduling. Um, so, and that's something that we're working on uh, here in the state of Delaware. We're, you know, getting constituents to contact um, our lone uh, at-large representative and our two senators. Um, and uh, we're actually working on a rally uh, for the next few months to call on Delaware's own President Biden um, you know, to continue this progress and specifically to call for descheduling. I think, you know, schedule three is the wrong answer um, because it still, you know, has a host of legal implement implications, especially for states on a, an adult use level. Um, it would it would continue the state federal conflict 
with the president's home state, Delaware, who's now legalized cannabis for adults 21 and older. So um, we're calling for descheduling. And like I said, we have a rally um, that we're working on for May 4th to call for descheduling. Okay. All right. Good, good, good to know. You know, um, I know you, you've been, I guess, been in your organization been trying to utilize digital platforms and social media to help impact. Explain what you guys are doing in that, in that uh, way. Yeah. So interestingly enough, I, we were mostly in person uh, prior to COVID. Um, all of those events that I told you about, the town halls, the public forums, the educational campaigns, door knocking, all of that was in person prior to COVID. Um, luckily, now we have reestablished a lot of our in-person um, activities, but um, we have a lot of virtual uh, activities as well. And we're actually hosting a listening session next week to try to get um, feedback from consumers in the state of Delaware to help us make our own recommendations for the adult use legalization uh, regulations that are being written at this moment. Um, so we use Zoom regularly um, for our information sessions, for our monthly meetings. So anybody can join us um, and we, we try to utilize um, virtual platforms as much as possible because we're not a very big state, but we're big enough and the virtual platforms allow us to come together, um, you know, quicker and more effectively um, than a lot of the in-person um, events and things like that. You may not be a big state, but you are the home state of the president, the current president. Yes, we are. That's even more reason for the descheduling, um, you know, push to come from the president's own state. I mean, like I said, you can't schedule cannabis as a schedule three and allow Delaware to implement an adult use legalization market um, without being in conflict with federal law. So it's really important that we deschedule cannabis, um, you know, for a number of reasons, but to end that state and federal conflict. Thank you so much, Zoe, for being being a part of the show today and sharing your experience and your advice with us. It's great. I mean, your efforts in pursuing and pushing forward the cannabis advocacy agenda in Delaware are genuinely admirable. So congratulations to you for what you've been doing. And for those interested in following Zoe's work, we're joining forces with the Cannabis Bureau of Delaware and Normal. We will include links and resources in the episode's description to let you know where to go. So I wanna thank you so much for being a part of the show. I wanna remind all of you out there that you know there is value in educating not only the public, but yourself. So stay informed, You know, spread awareness about the benefits and issues surrounding cannabis. And if you can volunteer and be a part of the solution in Delaware, what's that website one more time, Zoe, if people can go to? That's DelawareCannabis.org. Right. There you go. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. Being a part of Let's Be Blown on Montel, make sure you keep tuning in and advocating for change. And all you have to do is click that little button at the bottom there to subscribe and you can get, you know, go back and look through the library of well over 300 uh, episodes that we've done talking about the importance of changing cannabis legislation worldwide. Again, thank you so much for being a part. You're always invited back. If you have something you want to add, and uh, we look forward to seeing and talking to you again, okay? Thank you so much, Montel. Thanks for this invite. And thanks for all the work that you do. Very grateful. No, I really appreciate that. And thank you for all of you for tuning in to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. 
Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.